Welcome to the iMatter Podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I've been working recently with leaders in different industries and many of them are asking how to get stuff done because their life just seems to be busier than ever before and they'd love to delegate more to their team members but they're also worried that those team members don't have the experience and wisdom to step up to do more. So it becomes a vicious cycle. So the leader does more and more until they reach breaking point and they finally give up and delegate something to a team member and that person does their best but makes a big mistake because they don't have the experience and wisdom So the leader has to take over, and that creates even more work for everybody. The thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. So let's talk about how to build the judgment of your team members so they do get the experience, insight, and eventually the wisdom to make better decisions. Build their judgment. The U.S. department store Nordstrom has one of the best employee policy manuals in the world, and the entire handbook that's given out to new employees goes like this. We're glad to have you with our company. Our number one goal is to provide outstanding customer service. Set both your personal and professional goals high. We have great confidence in your ability to achieve them. Rule number one, use your best judgment in all situations. There are no additional rules. Please feel free to ask your department manager, store manager or division general manager any question at any time. That's it. So you might think it's impossible for an employee manual to give people so much leeway. After all, there are procedures to follow, policies to uphold, legislation to meet and rules to enforce. In fact, Nordstrom does have a more detailed employee manual to cover those situations, but the essence of the company culture is in those few paragraphs. It takes courage for an organization to tear down their hierarchy and let employees loose, but Nordstrom isn't the only organization that does it. Online shoe store Zappos manages by holacracy, where there are no management titles and the employees drive the company. Southeastern Mills has discarded its policy manual and treats employees like like adults. The Morning Star Company organizes all employees in what they call circles, where each circle must gain consensus about goals and operations and then ask other circles to help them. The creative agency Roundhouse has a few core values to guide it, but no goals, no policies, no systems and no procedures. Southwest Airlines is famous for giving employees more freedom, and it leads to hilarious safety videos that generate more free publicity than most companies pay in advertising. So here's the point. Successful leaders share their wisdom and experience with others to build their judgment and give them greater power, responsibility and authority. So rather than hoarding knowledge from fear and insecurity, they share it freely so others can grow. Are you confident enough in your team members' judgment that you could trust them as much as these organizations? If not, you're not alone. Most leaders, if they were being honest, would admit that they don't trust their team members that much. And if you have children, you know this. Young children don't know about the dangers of, say, electricity, so you protect power sockets when they start crawling. They don't understand why it's rude to interrupt conversation, so you have to teach them. They don't know how easy it is to drown in a small amount of water, so you build a fence around your swimming pool. Now, your team members aren't children, but some leaders treat them as if they are, and then they're surprised when they metaphorically stick a knife in in an electrical socket or fall into the swimming pool. So instead of operating from this lack of trust, ask yourself this question. What would you need to do to get to where you could trust them this much? As their leader, you have the benefit of greater experience, which gives you deeper insight, and that in turn leads to wisdom. So help your team members acquire that same wisdom, and then you'll be able to trust their judgment. 
So, as an overview, contrast the way that external changes affect employees in large organizations versus small businesses. So, in a large organization, there's a buffer between most people and the outside world. So, they've got a more stable, predictable environment. Even when external pressures occur, the organization can absorb, delay, or counter them so they don't necessarily affect normal operations. And now, this stability is a benefit in normal operations, but it also makes you less flexible and less, less resilient. So, it's like the little girl with the curl in the middle of her forehead. When she was good, she was very, very good. When she was bad, she was horrid. Or it's like an ocean liner that can handle big waves but not an iceberg. So people react badly when big changes happen. Actions take longer, everybody's protecting their turf, and the public microscope means that even small decisions get scrutinized in detail. And most of all, most people are simply caught unaware when their boat hits the iceberg. Now, small businesses have to deal with big changes regularly because they're more exposed these sort of workplaces can be uncertain and frenetic and frightening, but they can also be dynamic, exciting and inspiring. And leaders in these workplaces must build judgment in their team members because those team members often have to deal with unexpected situations. So if you're a leader in a large organization, you can give your team the best of both worlds by showing them the excitement of a dynamic work life, but within a relatively stable workplace. And now this is more than just empowering your team. So the stereotype of the office worker is dealing Gilbert, Scott Adams' cartoon character, and he's stuck in this tiny cubicle and he's micromanaged by his pointy-haired boss. Now, Dilbert can be more empowered to have more control over his job, but it's still control, so you can do better. So if you think about this as a metaphor, you can do three things. Number one, break down the walls. So help them understand how their role fits with the rest of the team, the rest of the organization, and the outside world. Second, raise the roof. So expose them to higher roles so they can see the bigger picture beyond their regular work. And third, open the door. So give them the chance to speak up and be heard inside and outside the organization. Giving them these opportunities helps everybody. Their work is more meaningful, they're more motivated, and they can suggest ways to improve. And if you work in a large organization, you also help them avoid a false sense of security so they can see beyond timesheets and spreadsheets, they can hear from real customers and clients, and they get a better feel for the industry in general. So let's look at those three areas, breaking down the walls, raising the roof, and opening the door. So first of all, breaking down the walls. And that's the easiest step to building judgment, is to let people step outside their own little work bubble and see what's going on around them. You can show them what's happening elsewhere in the organization and also what's happening outside it. So here's some ideas. First, step into a co-worker's shoes. As a leader, you can see how each person's work fits into the overall project, but it's not so easy for the people doing the work itself. So give them the chance to understand what other people in the organization do, especially those who are directly connected to them. You can do this through informal job swapping, letting them shadow somebody else for a day, or inviting co-workers to give a short presentation about their job. For example, if you lead a sales team and you rely on leads from the marketing team, invite a marketing person to make a short presentation to your team. Similarly, if you're the marketing manager, send your people on sales calls with the salespeople who receive your leads. This process not only brings the two teams closer together, but it also means that they might identify ways to improve the process for each other. You can also show them real customers. So bring your team members closer to customers, even just to observe them. According to one study from Harvard, chefs make tastier food 
when they can see their customers. It's not just because the chefs feel like they're being watched, because the same result occurred when the customers couldn't see the chefs, but because they could see how their product would be used by real customers. And this is valuable even for people in a support role, such as finance, administration, or human resources, so they can see how their work contributes to the ultimate value that your organization offers. And it helps people understand how their work is meaningful and lets smart people suggest improvements. Show them how their work has meaning. So if you can't expose them to real customers, find other ways to demonstrate that their work has meaning, either to others in the organization or to external stakeholders. People are motivated by knowing how their work plays a role in delivering an important service or creating a valuable product. Highlight something to be proud of. So if meaning is about their internal motivation to do a good job, pride is about something your organization does that they can boast about to others. So your organization might be the biggest, the smallest, the oldest, the youngest, the fastest, the brightest, or better in some other way. It might pride itself on remuneration, working conditions, management structure, social conscience, mentoring programs, paid parental leave, or something else. Even if your team members aren't working in areas that are directly related to these features, they can still take pride in being part of an organization that supports them. Take away resources. Sometimes the best way to encourage cooperation is to remove resources rather than adding them. For example, if you've got a lunchroom that's shared with other teams, that might spark more interesting conversations than a private lunchroom for just your team. But just be a little bit careful, because sometimes removing resources has some unintended consequences. So removing the lunchroom might encourage people to eat lunch at their desk instead, and that defeats the purpose, as well as reducing productivity. And people also tend to resent losing resources. So rather than actually taking resources away, you might apply this principle by simply not adding additional resources. Also use the hierarchy. So the organizational hierarchy can be useful if you use it to your advantage. Uh, avoid it if it causes friction, because that's called bureaucracy, but use it if it facilitates your goals. For example, if your CEO has publicly stated her commitment to collaboration, you can quote her when asking your peers about job swapping, creating a mastermind group, or any other initiative that you want to implement. Let's look at the second area, which is raising the roof. Have you ever been in a situation where a competent team member did something that seemed reasonable to them, but had consequences that they didn't anticipate? For example, this is the customer service person who offends a customer on Twitter, or the graphic designer who used a photograph without the copyright holder's permission because she had to meet a deadline, or the junior team member who turns up 10 minutes late to a pitch meeting for a key client. Now, these might seem trivial to the people who are involved, but they could have far-reaching consequences. Consequences. And you might have criticized them at the time, but perhaps they just didn't understand the impact of their actions. As a leader, you can't expect your team members to understand the consequences unless you give them access to things which are, you know, above their pay scale. So you want them to understand the bigger picture, not, not only what they do in their little world. Otherwise, it's just unreasonable to ask them to make wise decisions. So here are some things you can do. So build them up. Building wisdom and good judgment doesn't happen overnight. When you expose your team members to new things, start by giving them a lot of support. This can be training, whether it's formal courses or on-the-job support. It can be guidance, coaching, mentoring. Just help them learn how best to respond in different situations. And use your judgment in taking people through a process that gradually gives them more freedom and more responsibility. For example, if you're showing somebody how to deal with a customer email complaint, you might use this sort of process. First, they start by simply watching how it's done. 
The next time, they draft the reply and send it to you first to review. The next time, they send the reply, but CC it to you, just in case you need to take some action. And finally, they do it without you. So that's a process to build them up. Show them the big picture. Most people learn good judgment through experience and feedback. They do something, they get the feedback. They do it again, slightly differently, and get different feedback. They do it again, and again, and again. So you can fast track this process by showing them the big picture early. So give them the chance to experience thinking at the, at the next level up, and that helps them to develop their judgment. For example, you could copy them on the reports that you send to your manager. You could ask for their input into the reports, and you could even invite them to attend your management meetings just so they see the big picture. Connect them to your network. So introduce them selectively to people in your wider network, both offline and online. So look for people who can help them. For example, as mentors, advisors, colleagues in other organizations or clients, and, and, and introduce them to each other. Also remember that your team members have valuable skills, experience, and their own network, and these could help other people you know. So look for opportunities to connect them with people they can help, not only those who can help them. Show them how it works under pressure. So when you're going through tough times, it's tempting to fight it out at management level and shield your team members from it. You might think you're doing them a favor, but that's exactly the time when they could learn the most by being involved and knowing what's happening. And even if they can't contribute, they can watch and learn. And you know what? Sometimes they can contribute, and that's an unexpected bonus. Share success stories. So Nordstrom, the department store that I mentioned earlier, is famous for their outstanding customer service stories. And the best known probably is the anecdote about the salesperson who took back a set of tires from a customer, even though Nordstrom doesn't sell tires. Another is about the staff member who drove to a customer's house to make a delivery in time for a kid's birthday party. And these stories sell the culture far better than just policies and guidelines. It's difficult for people to understand an abstract concept like put the customer first, but easy to remember a story that demonstrates that concept in action. So collect stories, particularly those that show people exercising good judgment. And they don't have to be your personal stories, and they're actually often better if they aren't. If they involve people that your team members know, they're more powerful. And if they involve the team members themselves, they're even more powerful again. Bring the future closer. So let me ask you a question. If I offered you $100 now or $150 tomorrow, which would you take? So all other things being equal, the obvious choice is $150 tomorrow. But what if I offered you the $150 in a year from now? Now you might have second thoughts about waiting. But why? You should still accept the $150. It's a much better investment option. A 50% annual return is better than you can get almost anywhere else. But most people don't think that way. We tend to devalue something if it's further away. Even if it's a better rational choice, our emotional brain wants immediate reward. Now this applies to your team members as well. On a long project, you are motivated by the milestones and the end date because you can see how the individual team members contribute to the overall project. But your team members aren't motivated by it because they can't see that. It doesn't matter how much you talk about the rewards and the sense of achievement or the penalties and the sense of failure, it just doesn't matter to them unless you can bring the future closer for them. And you can try to do this by giving them smaller tasks and shorter deadlines, but that doesn't help them build better judgment. If you want to lift them up, there are some better options. For example, you can involve them more in the planning process rather than just assigning them tasks based on your plan. 
You can explain how their tasks contribute to the overall project and how that in turn contributes to the organization's goals. You can include intermediate goals, whether you call them milestones or lead measures or KPIs, that involve the team goals and organizational goals, not just their own goals. Be transparent about sharing information, even if it's not directly related to their current role. And also recognize and celebrate milestones along the way. Let them make decisions for you. It's one thing to offer input into decisions. It's another thing altogether to make those decisions. And organizations move when people make decisions and they stagnate when they don't. For example, when Denise Morrison took over the reins at a struggling Campbell's, she changed one part of their leadership model from drive organizational consensus to drive decision making. So give your team members the power to make more decisions, including some decisions that you would normally make yourself. And if they aren't ready to make those decisions, first let them make more decisions at their own level and then bring them closer to higher decisions. For example, you can invite them to a management meeting as an observer so they can see the decision-making process in action. And when you let them make decisions at any level, accept those decisions, even if you think you would have made a different decision. Unless they've really, really, really overlooked something important, go with their decision, not with yours. And then let them loose. You might realize you don't need to do anything at all to groom them further. Perhaps all you've got to do is let them loose and watch them shine. Most leaders, and actually most parents, hang on too long before letting go. It's irresponsible, obviously, to push them into situations that are way beyond their capability, but you can usually let them loose sooner than you might expect. The third broad area is to open the door. So, so far we've looked at ways for you to show your team members a bigger picture than just their role. They know what's happening to the rest of the team, the rest of the organization, even the outside world, but it's not enough to just sit on the sidelines and watch. Real judgment comes from experience, not just from observation. Theodore Roosevelt famously said this, The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds. Now, I'm not suggesting you throw your team members into an arena with lions and a baying crowd, but if you really want them to learn, give them the chance to do things, even with the risk that they might make mistakes. You've minimized the risk by giving them the chance to observe and learn, so now give them the chance to shine. Here are some things you could do. Ask them for advice. So you've given your team members a chance to see how other parts of the organization work, so now ask them for their comments, suggestions and advice. So they're looking at things with new eyes and a fresh outlook so they can suggest valuable improvements and enhancements. Now it's not always easy for them to offer advice. So just keep in mind that they might be reluctant to criticize. They might be inexperienced in making succinct suggestions or they might be worried about overstepping their authority. So rather than just asking for broad suggestions, ask some specific questions. For example, you could ask these three questions. What could we stop doing? What could we start doing? What could we keep doing? Simple ways to get them to come up with their ideas. And this is not just about asking for their advice. Be willing to act on it as well. In fact, have the attitude that you will act on their advice unless there are really strong reasons against it. Even if it means extra time, effort or money, do it anyway. After all, you're not always the best judge of the outcome and you might be surprised by the results. But more importantly, acting on the advice shows them that you do value and appreciate it, which will encourage them to speak up more often in the future. 
and send them to networking events. So send your team members to relevant networking events. Start by finding or asking them to find events of their peers and then gradually move them up to events with more senior people. This is one area where you should be aware of pushing them too far too soon. People at a networking event expect to be among peers and some of them won't make a more junior person feel welcome. Some of them will actively make them feel unwelcome. So attend the first such event with them so you can make the introductions and position them with the other people who are there. Put them on the front line. Give them a chance not just to observe customers, but to interact with them in the retail shop, at the incoming call center, on social media, at the reception desk, wherever your organization interacts with customers. Now, you can't do this with every customer-facing role, but just giving people exposure to customers in some way is better than none at all. For example, if you work for an airline, you can't ask your team members to fly the plane, but they might be able to work in social media, in a call center, or at the airport. And organizations like Zappos and JetBlue are famous for giving their staff flexibility in dealing with customers. And even if your organization doesn't have this culture, don't hold on to the reins too tightly. Give them a bit of freedom and you might be surprised at the results. Give them a voice. Invite them to contribute to your organization's internal newsletter, the external quarterly magazine, the internal blog on the intranet, or the external blog on your website. Some of these publications might be tightly controlled and not by you, so you might have to work hard to persuade the people in charge to accept other contributions, let alone contributions from junior people. But it's worth the effort, not only for your team members, but for the organization as a whole. And also don't limit your thinking to the written word. They could present or co-present at meetings, they could deliver training courses, they could publish videos or present webinars. Build their authority. Some team members will be so keen about speaking up that they want to become an authority in their own right. So give them a platform of their own beyond just being a contributor to a shared platform. The focus then shifts from this month's newsletter has an article by Shamini about our supply chain process to Sharmini is an authority on supply chain management and we're proud to publish some of her articles on our website. Now, this might take even more effort to get approved, but again, it's worth it. Having a reputation as an organization that fosters thought leadership is good for everybody. Support the existing platforms. Some team members will already have a strong online presence. And if that's aligned with your team or your organization, then help them develop it further. For example, Gillian might be passionate about women in leadership and already has a blog, a Facebook page, and a YouTube channel about that topic. Any leader in any organization can support this, especially if you work in a male-dominated industry, but even if you don't. So look for ways to support her. For example, giving her time to work on this passion, finding conferences and events for her to attend or even present at, and showcasing some of her work in your internal publications. And be careful not to take over her platform. You can invite her to contribute to internal publications, but don't force her to bring everything under the organization's umbrella and brand. If she's passionate enough to have built a following, she's certainly passionate enough about it being hers. So support her in continuing to build her expertise and authority, and you'll benefit anyway. Make them a mentor. Now, they might already have a mentor, but invite them to be a mentor as well. And this doesn't have to be mentoring somebody junior, as traditional mentoring would suggest. It could also be mentoring somebody more senior in the organization in an area where your team member has the expertise. Social media, consumer behavior, technology trends, or consumer electronics. This is called reverse mentoring, and is very powerful, both for the team member's own development and for the people that they're mentoring. Tap into their networks. Your team members might be operating in completely different social circles than you, so you might think that their networks are not as valuable to you, but the exact opposite might be true. 
The fact that they're not overlapping might be really useful because they connect you to completely new people. There's a famous article in social psychology called The Strength of Weak Ties, which talks about exactly this, that because you're operating in different networks, there's a bigger potential for you to find new connections and more valuable connections. So ask your team members to reach out to their networks when you need help with things like recruitment, product recommendations, product testing, and other things where their networks might be able to help you. Let them do more meaningful work. So if they express an interest or a passion in something that's not work-related but which you can support, do your best to offer resources to support them. Now, some organizations have programs that actively support employees who want to make a community contribution. For example, Rio Tinto, the mining giant, runs a Dollars for Doers program, and they reward employees who volunteer significant amounts of personal time to a non-profit organization by giving $5,000 to that organization on behalf of the employee. Other organizations even make community work an integral, essential part of each employee's role, and even tied to their salary package. Now, even if you don't have that authority in your organization, you can still support them by giving them time and other resources which are within your control. And whatever method you choose, think of it as an investment rather than a cost. Your team members will be more motivated to do their regular work and might also find creative ways to link their regular work with their community work. Empower the connectors. Don't assume that only you can help your team members. Find the natural connectors in your team. Maybe they're the ones who are always on Facebook and ask for their suggestions. They could host social events with other teams. They could start a monthly mastermind group. Or they could tap into their social media network to find a guest speaker for a team meeting. So, in summary, building a culture of good judgment and wisdom takes time. But it's time really well spent because everybody gains. It doesn't come at the expense of performance and productivity because it doesn't take anything away from your day-to-day work. In fact, it helps it because team members then make smarter and wiser decisions. They take less of your time and they're more motivated and engaged every day. So the three things I've talked about here are in a logical sequence for building judgment. First, you break down the walls to help them see what's outside their immediate role. Then you raise the roof to give them a broader perspective. And then you open the door to let them speak up. Now, different team members will respond to this process differently. So one person, for example, might already be on this path and they're ready to speak up. Another one might be just starting, but is really keen so you can fast track the process. Another one might have really great potential, but doesn't realize it yet, so is a bit more cautious and wants to take this more slowly. So consider each team member in turn and think about them individually and how you're going to guide them on this path depending on their individual needs. I hope you find that interesting and useful. That entire segment about building their judgment is chapter 5 of my book, The Future of Leadership. As you can guess from the title, my book is about leadership and the future. And that chapter, interestingly, is probably the least futuristic in the book. Um, If you think about it, it's all about things that great leaders have always done. The difference is that these things are essential now. They're must-dos if you want to be successful in the future and you want to be able to cope in this fast-changing world. Because as I said right at the start, now, our world is busier and more full than ever before so you really need to enroll your team members so that you can become fit for the future and if you did find it useful then you can get the book at futureleadershipbook.com and my next webinar in the future proof webinar series is on a similar theme it's called step up and it's all about how to get the most from your rising stars so come along to the webinar it's on thursday the 7th of july it's free and you can register at seeingintothefuture.com 
I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and your professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanperera.com. You can also find out about my mentoring programs if you're interested in one-on-one work for yourself or your teams. And if you do want to engage with me in other ways, again, go to gihanperera.com where you can find my blog, my newsletter, my podcast, videos and webinar series. They're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of the individuals in your organization, your team and, of course, your own potential as well. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. You've been listening to the iMatter Podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit iMatterPodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.